This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Satan always tries to give you a counterfeit. Always. There's a counterfeit in love. There's a counterfeit in peace. There's a counterfeit in almost everything that God has created that's good. And this worldly peace is something that Christ has come to actually bring a divide, bring a sword. What Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. The world is very good at mass-producing counterfeits to God's perfect ways. Unfortunately, many would rather be guided by the counterfeits of the enemy than by the truths of God. God's peace is a peace that passes all understanding, and the world's version of peace cannot compare to the rewards of true faith in God's faithfulness and unfailing love. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will caution us to not be fooled by this world's copycats. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie as he continues his study in Romans. chapter 5. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character, character, hope, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We come to Romans chapter 5 and where Paul will reveal to us the blessings, the byproduct, the result of this awesome doctrine, justification by faith. He's going to list all these blessings. So guess what? You're going to know about these blessings. This is what's so important about good, sound, biblical doctrine. Because when it comes to biblical doctrine, many Christians, this is where we fall in our walk with the Lord, where we have lack of understanding of who God is. Because when we hear or we study anything about biblical doctrine, we tend to think that that is only going to interest the scholars and theologians and maybe your pastors. But nothing can be further from the truth. And so because we look at doctrine and we don't want to study doctrine, we think it's only for the theologians and scholars, we skip over biblical theology and we want to go to the practical things. All we want to know is the how-tos. All we want to know is how to deal with everyday life and how God's going to help me. This is why many Christians fall, because they don't understand doctrine. Once you have a solid understanding of biblical doctrine, you will know the practical and you will not fall because you look at scripture, wait, according to scripture, I've been justified. Why am I feeling guilty? You see, this is where a lot of Christians fall. 
Now, the true student in the word of God, those that study the word of God, could always see that throughout scriptures in every book, that God always lays a foundation before he gives the practical. All of Paul's epistles and all his letters, if you really study his letters thoroughly, you'll always find that Paul first begins with theology, with doctrine. He begins with giving you the foundation before he gives you the practical. People rush to the Christian bookstores in the 10 steps for a better you because nobody studied the Bible. You can take all the steps you want, but if you never crawled and if you've never been guided by God in his word, you're still going to fall with 20 or 30 steps. You know, you have Bibles in your home. Learn the biblical doctrine and then you understand the practical. And so Paul, he's given us in chapter 5 what it means to be justified by faith, not by works, simply by believing. He proved his case, and now he's going to give us all the benefits, the blessings, the byproduct, and the result of this foundational blessing that flows out of justification that we have received through faith. Let's look at verse 1. Paul begins by saying, therefore, because of the previous chapter that Paul has proved that we are all sinners, but when we put our faith in Christ, we are justified. He brought the last two to the witness stand, Father Abraham and King David, to prove that just by simply believing, we are justified before God. Therefore, because we're justified before God, he says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Here the past tense, having been, past tense, we have been justified by faith. So the first blessing for you students is we have peace with God. It's interesting when you study the Hebrew and the Greek, the Greek word for the word with, W-I-T-H, is pros, P-R-O-S, in the Greek. I love that because when you look at this word in the Greek, pros, it means a face-to-face, an intimate relationship, and an understanding. It's not a peace where two would agree to make peace, but would go their own separate ways and probably never see each other again. Okay, you know, you offended me and I offended you. I know I can't get along with you. I'm going to make peace, but I'm leaving, okay? You go to your side of the world, I go to my side. That's not the peace that we have with God. We made peace with God and it's a peace that is a face-to-face peace with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why is that important? Because what is opposite of peace? War, is it not? And why is Paul telling us the first benefit that we have is this blessing of having peace with God? It's because, you see, before the cross, before justification, before you and I were enemies with God, we were at war against God and his Holy Spirit. And you may say, wait a minute, Eddie, I never really did anything against God personally, you know. I knew he was, he was there, he was real, Not I have a relationship with him, but I never was an enemy against God. Oh, yes, you were. According to scriptures, you are. This is why you need to understand biblical doctrine and theology. You need to understand this. And I think you understand where you're coming from. Then you'll understand what this piece is all about. You understand that you are at war with God. You understand this peace. The world is always at war with God. In Isaiah 48, 22, it says, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. The unsaved person has no peace in their lives because they are at enmity with God. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 7, Paul tells us, because the carnal mind is what? Enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. It's impossible. Look down at verse 10 of chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10, he writes, For if we were enemies, which we were, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. More and more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In Colossians, Paul writes to the church in Colossae chapter 1, verse 20 to 21, he says, And by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him were the things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. We've been at peace with God through the blood of his son. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has reconciled. There is no middle ground between those that are at peace with God and those that are at war against God. There's no middle ground. When we die, there's not a place where, okay, uh, we don't know, where does he go? Heaven or hell? Oh, just put him in the middle. There's no such thing. This is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, he says, He who is not with me is what? Against me. He didn't say, well, there's some who are with me and there's some who haven't decided yet. There's no middle ground. He who is not with me is against me. Before you were justified, before you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you were at enmity with God. You were at war with God. And you may not say, well, you know, I didn't pick up any weapons. I didn't shake my fist to heaven. I didn't curse God. We use the Lord's name in vain. You sinned against God. You lived your life. You were born in sin. We were against God. We either have peace with God or we're at war against God. But here's what happened. When you and I have realized that we're in this battlefield of life against God, when we realize that we can't go on living our life as sins any longer, when we realize that God's love and his amazing grace is just too powerful for us to go against, when we realize that he is the only way to everlasting life, what happens then in this war? You and I surrender. That is the reason why you hear the term surrendering to God because I've been at war against God and I want to surrender my life so I could be with God, at peace with God. We surrender, God wins. And we win too because we have him now. We surrender, he wins, and of course God always wins. We are justified, so this blessing that we have peace with God is, I'm glad that Paul mentions this blessing first. There's about eight blessings that we're going to go through. I'm so blessed that he even mentioned this first one, at peace with God, because it's important. It's important. Jesus said in John chapter 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Now we reconcile with him. Now we're friends. Or that's what he calls me. He can call me whatever he wants. I'm blessed that I'm with him. And I want to be his servant. Here's the incredible thing about this peace with God. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus those that were enmity with God, they're at war. There is no peace 
But when we come to Christ, a peace of God that surpasses all understanding, I don't think we understand that because before, you know, we didn't know how to live our lives. We couldn't handle it. But now, you know, we are anxious for nothing, you know, and everything in prayer is supplication, which is the verse before this. And we come before God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. What does that mean? You can have all the most intelligent minds in the world in one room. They will not understand that peace. Eddie, why you're at peace? You have a sickness. Why are you at peace? You're going through financial troubles. Why are you at peace? You lost a family member. Why are you at peace? You're losing your job and you're losing your home. Why are you at peace? Why are you smiling? It's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Because my faith and hope is in him, not in the things that are on earth. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And here it is, through our Lord Jesus Christ. This peace with God can only come through his son, Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus says, and we quote this verse over and over again. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father No one can go to heaven. No one can go to the holy of holies except through me, Jesus Christ. No one, not through Buddha, not through Muhammad, not through a particular religion or rules and rituals, but simply through Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible speaks several kinds of peace. There is a worldly peace, a worldly peace. Don't be confused by the two. It is a peace that the world tries to offer but cannot deliver. Worldly peace, peace in the Middle East would never happen. I'm not being negative, I'm being biblical. (laughs) I know the end. You know, we have the book right in front of us, you know. The news is just confirming everything the Lord has been telling his people from day one. And it's coming to pass. We see in the United Nations that all these nations and all these leaders get together, but they're not united and they never have been and they never will. And the reason why is that this kind of peace that they try to unite together people is without God. You can't have peace without God. It's impossible because he is our Lord and Savior. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who created peace. Man gives you a counterfeit, and that's what the world tries to offer. And so man puts their trust in man. We think if we vote someone in office, oh, wow, it's going to be better. I'm sorry. Again, read your Bible. No one could save the world. And it's man trying to get together without God. We've seen it in Genesis when they build the Tower of Babel. God told the people, be fruitful and multiply, plenish the earth. But no, they said, let us get together. Let us build a tower. Let us, let us, us, us. Forget about what God said. And guess what happened with the Tower of Babel? You know, they started speaking in different tongues. And then they now, that forced them to go out and now dispersed around the world the way God wanted to. Yeah, it sounds great. Oh, we get together, we sing Kumbaya. It's all good, but it's a worldly peace. It's not a godly peace. And the world, the saying always tries to give you a counterfeit. Always. There's a counterfeit in love. There's a counterfeit in peace. There's a counterfeit in almost everything that God has created that's good. And this worldly peace is something that that Christ has come to actually bring a divide, bring a sword. 
Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now you can say, oh, wow, I thought Jesus was a man of peace. Not understanding the text, not understanding what Jesus was saying. What Jesus is saying is that he's dividing the righteous from the wicked. The righteous from the wicked. It's not a worldly peace, but it's a peace where God's going to divide the righteous from the wicked. And so God's peace is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And God's peace is only through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus did speak of another peace. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I live with you. Here it is the key word, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So there's a different peace. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It is a peace of God, not a peace of the world. Never fall for it. Never fall for it. The enemy knows he's in the last days and he's not done. He still has a a bag full of tricks. And at the very end, he's going to fool a lot of people. Because people are not looking to Jesus. They're not looking at his word to find the truth about who Jesus is and what is peace. And you're going to read something or you're going to follow someone that's a man. As Jesus told the Jews, he says, I came to you from sent by my father, but another will come to him. You will follow and worship. And that him is speaking of the Antichrist. And that will happen. It's amazing that you and I know this. That the Lord gave us ahead of time what's going to happen. And little by little, you're seeing how of the worlds are getting together. Don't be fooled. He calls you friends. He's not going to hold anything back from you. And that's good. We serve a God that's a God of order. We serve a God that not only gives us peace, we serve a God that knows the end from the beginning. We know we serve a God that's telling us this is how much peace we should have because he is so much in control to tell you what's going to happen in the future. That's a peace. Now the second blessing. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access, second blessing, by faith into this grace in which we stand. Through Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. And so because we have made peace with God, we have a limited access That's the definition, unlimited access. We have access to God the Father, where that access wasn't available to all men at one time. This unlimited access to the Father, the word access here means entrance to the king through the favor of another. That's what this access means in the Greek. So in other words, you have access to go see the king because you know the king's right-hand man, or you know the king's son. We have access to God the Father because we know the Son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man goes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Now, we see this in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, in the temple, the Jews were kept from the Holy of Holies by a veil. A veil separated man from the Holy of Holies. And only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies once a year to atone for the sins of the nation of Israel once a year In the Holy Holy, just one man. Outside the temple, not only the Jews are separated from the Holy Holies, outside from the temple, we have the Gentiles who were not allowed to go into the inner court. They were divided not by a veil, but by a wall. 
No one had access to the Father. No one had access to God. But because of Jesus Christ, and only through Jesus Christ, who had made a way where there wasn't a way, we couldn't get to the Father. It's impossible. We couldn't have peace. And if we didn't have peace, we didn't have access. But now through Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. Now we have access, unlimited access. And that took place when Jesus was crucified on the cross. When he gave up his spirit, it tells us in Matthew 27, verses 50 to 51, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He gave up his spirit. He died on the cross. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. This is what happened in the temple. And this is a symbol that God himself ripped this veil. What does it say there? From top to bottom. Not from bottom to top. Because anyone could just cut a little piece on the bottom of this veil and separate it to reach the top. Top to bottom. God himself is tearing down the wall that separated God and his people. It was God's plan. God had this plan from the very beginning. He loves us. He wants to be in face-to-face with us. He wants to be at peace with us. He wants us to be at peace with him. And he made a way through his son, Jesus Christ. Now notice, we have this access to the Lord. We could go to God anytime, day or night, 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year, unlimited access to go to the Father. Through his son, Jesus Christ. Now notice how we have this access to God. How? Verse 2, through whom we have access by faith in this grace in which we stand. We have access not because of works. You have access to God not because of works, not because of religion, not because of a bunch of rules and rituals. You have access to the Father because of faith your belief in God. It is by grace. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. The writer Hebrew writes, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, boldly, not to come arrogantly. No, we could come confidently, go without fear. We have access to the Father where no one had access before. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. This is the doctrine that's really important for you and I. And here's why. But you know when we mess up and we really blew it. We go to the Lord in prayer and we ask for forgiveness. You have surrendered your life. You have been justified by faith because you believed in God. You now have peace with God. You're not against God. You have access to God. Now, we go before the Lord. And here is where the enemy comes in. They say, wait a minute, you don't have access. Your access is void. You messed up. You serve a holy God. You blew it. You can't go to God. You see, if you didn't understand biblical doctrine, you would fall for that. The book of Romans gives us a unique review of scriptural doctrine. As we continue to learn from this New Testament book, We'll also discover the gospel's powerful message throughout and discover practical life application with it as well. We pray Eddie's message on running the race has been an encouragement to you 
and that you're eager to learn more about the gospel message and how it applies to you. We'd like you to know that we pray for you regularly here at Running the Race, and we're so glad that you are one of our listeners. We'd also like to encourage you to find a local church where you can be part of a community that's growing together in faith. With that in mind, here's Tracy. Maybe you're listening right now in Milford, Pennsylvania, and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. For more information, call us at 570-296-7367. That's 570-296-7367. Or log on to runningtheraceradio.com and click on service times. Thanks, Tracy. That website once again is runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, you can also listen to more messages by Eddie or download them to take with you on the go. That's all we have for today, but join us again for more on the Book of Romans right here on Running the Race. I'm